Welcome into an episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for SCH. You can find me at SCH underscore Dave M. And we've got some Hawks games to talk about. We got some big Hawks news to talk about. And I've got all my usual line mates with me this evening to have all that conversation. Up first, you can find on Twitter at Shepherd Price. It is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepherd Price. Hi, I'm going to be making cooking noises for a little while, so if you'll please excuse that, uh, that'd be very kind. Did you say cooking or cookies? Cooking. Okay, because I was yes. my follow-up was going to be what exactly are cookie noises? Uh, <laughs> same as cooking noises, pretty much. A lot of stirring. Uh, a lot stirring. of whisking. Okay. A lot of whisking. Yeah. The only cookie noises I tend to make are eating ones. Uh, and this is... A I make rel- them. <laughs> this is... Uh, completely unrelated to everything we're going to talk about, but uh, I was just at the grocery store and by in front of me in the checkout line was a guy with two boxes of mega stuffed Oreos and a gallon of milk. And I just, I know that guy's going to have a better night than any of us are going to have. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, also with us this evening, you can find him on Twitter at mill 182 and he is the second city hockey. What Steven Jenkins is to third eye blind. It is mill Savage. I'm thinking about changing my handle to hip checks. Don't lie. <laughs> is that, uh, is that your tribute to Riley Stillman? Um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, that's uh, my tribute. It's my tribute to John Scott. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's, uh, everyone's favorite former Blackhawk, I guess. Sure. Yeah. By the way, I appreciate the third eye blind shout out. Cause I, I really love third eye blind. Although I heard Stevie Jenkins is a huge D bag. Is it really? That's, that's disappointing. That's, that's what Jimmy World said on that tour. But you know what? They're a great band live. You know what? If Jimmy World said it, I'm going to believe it. So, I mean, he also kicked out Kevin Cadigan out of the band for like wanting to have steak and music that he wrote. So there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that, that's going to do it for uh, for any of the Third Eye Blind talk. No, now I regret it immensely. Thanks, Mill. Appreciate no, it. No, I, I love that. I, I was really hoping to step back from that ledge, my friend. <laughs> uh, I yeah. Well, the cool. worst song on a perfect album. <laughs> yeah. And then also with us this evening, and I, I believe she has some good news to share with all of us. Uh, it is she's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, and it is of course Second City Hockey's Bull and Wall of Text, Betsy. I found the cat. She found the cat, folks. Um, the cat round of applause. He, he was missing for 16 days, which on the mean streets of Arrowhead and Walnut in the suburban neighborhood doesn't seem like a lot, but he was living in a like storm drain, I guess. Um, that's where people were seeing him like duck in. And um, I had to catch him in like a humane trap. And the trick was KFC to lure him in because it smells apparently irresistible to cat. <laughs> I, I didn't expect KFC to be, I was thinking maybe because you're not where you are, maybe like Zaxby's or Bojangles, but whatever. No, the, I was talking to a bunch of uh, like TNR, um, trap, neuter and release uh, people. And they were like, 
if fish doesn't work, because some cats don't care for cooked fish as much, they're like pretty much no feral cat can resist KFC. And the same is true of um, indoor wow. kitty. So I tried that, but he was like smart enough to to lean over or reach for the food and not trip the plate. So I was like, I got to put something in there other than water that he drinks because cats, I've never seen a cat like not like squat down a little bit to drink. Right. Um, and sure enough, I put a little bit of uh, milk and chicken broth from like a chicken soup in with the KFC and he got trapped an hour later. So very excited. So obviously the, the best part of this entire story is that you were able to find the cat and the cat's in good health and everything's good. But yeah. throughout the process, the, my favorite part of this, and I can't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but when you mentioned the person that you consulted, one of them was a pet detective. And yes. all I've wanted to think of is Ace Ventura jokes for the last week. So I'm glad the cat is back. So now that we can have a laugh about, I just, <laughs> Ace Ventura, you can't hear the phrase pet detective without thinking about Ace Ventura. I didn't, it wasn't just one pet detective, it was two. And one of them had dogs. <laughs> <laughs> like they came with two dogs and like sniffed his trail so that you could know where he went and try to put traps down. Cause at that point there hadn't been any sightings. Um, and sure enough, the dogs were right. The sewer that he was hiding in and then the neighbor's house that I was like, why would he go that way? I didn't see him go that way. And sure enough, that's where I caught him. So and then the other one who I've been talking to a lot is in Atlanta. So uh, she was really nice and lent me um, her equipment, which were like a spy camera that's like a wildlife camera and um, motion detectors and traps and stuff. So. Wow. It's a lot. Uh, I, I, I learned a lot about the uh, the pet detective world and the pet uh, pet location technology that exists throughout this whole process. I did, but, too. I feel like I'm an expert. now. <laughs> well, I we uh, if uh, if anybody out there is a missing cat, uh, we will uh, we will open up the hotline later. For, so you guys can all uh, throw a bunch of questions at Betsy. Uh, speaking of cats, did you guys know the Alistair Brink cat is on pace for 52 goals this season? That's my that's my shameless transition to talk about uh, Blackhawks. Patrick hockey. Kane is not. <laughs> Patrick Kane is not. Um, yeah. So since we last uh, convened, the uh, the Hawks uh, probably hit rock bottom. I, I would say it, it, I don't think there's going to be a knock on wood. I should say because I don't want to tempt fate like that. But uh, I don't think there's probably going to be a lower point than the four to a six to four loss to the Coyotes last Thursday night, and then. The Hawks, because hockey is weird, then they turned around and beat Vegas two to one, then beat Columbus four to two. So uh, everything's not quite as terrible as it was uh, after last Thursday's game. Uh, still not great though, because they're nowhere near the playoffs. But the main news we wanted to get to today happened earlier this morning. It was, uh, I believe, it's Charlie Romeliotis was the first one to report it, and the Hawks later confirmed that Lucas Reichel is going to be – or is called up. He was put on the taxi squad, and he's expected to make his NHL debut on Thursday night against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and I, I I think everyone's pretty excited about this uh, because he's been uh, – he's been – he's probably the only forward prospect they have for the short term that's going to be a potential – top six guy. So I guess uh, just quickly, just throw it around the room. We're starting off with Shea. Just what was your reaction when you heard the news that uh, Lucas Reichel's coming up? I mean, it's not un altogether unexpected. He's been really good in the AHL. And like, he's again, he's like the bright star at for, uh, forward for them. Uh, 
I question the coaching and GM uh, because Ian Mitchell continues to play nine minutes a night. Uh, I mean, at the same time, Jacob Galvis played five seconds less than the leader in Taiwan Ice, his debut game. So maybe it's just the Neil, Ian Mitchell thing. But used, I hope he gets used well. I hope he isn't playing with Ryan Carpenter and, and, uh, and Kahira. But if he is... I don't think that would also be an unsurprising thing. So I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dark spot in the room right now. Well, I do, I do have good news for you is that at practice today, I believe he was skating between Strom and Kane, was it? I'll yep. take that. I'll take yep. that. I will take that all day. Yeah, you replaced Borgstrom. Yeah, I mean, like, I know we've had, there's been a lot of complaining about uh, player, utiliz- uh, player utilization and line combos, but – uh, I don't think you call up Lucas Reichel and put him on the fourth line. Uh, I don't care how, uh, <laughs> I don't care what the team has done. There's no way in hell that that was going to happen. So if they're going to play him, like you were saying, Shay, like if they're going to put him in a position to succeed, and hopefully it's a lot of uh, offensively geared zone starts and um, and all of that, and just let him let him score goals or, or set up goals. Let him do the things he was doing in Rockford so well that made you want to call him up in the first place. Um, Betsy, we'll swing it around to you. What were your thoughts on the move? I'm excited to see him because I've been watching Rockford a lot this year because of Reichel. Um, I used to get maybe half the games, but I've watched most of them except for the last, I actually missed the two games that he scored a ton of stuff on. Um, granted they were against AHL or EHL goalies, but still. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They won very recently. Like I think Rockford won like eight to nothing and it was against a goalie who was on the Indy fuel and the wolves needed on an emergency basis. So not too much to read into that, but he had a hat trick earlier in the season that was, was legitimately incredible. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked like how he should in that game. So that's great. Um, my only question is, is this really motivated by him doing well, or is it motivated by the fact that the Blackhawks are terrible and they need offense and they want to engage the fans a little bit more? Um, I know they've already said that they're only going to let him stay up for a couple of games or, you know, however many games, a few games, and then send him back, um, which I think is a good idea. I don't mind him staying in the AHL for a little while. Um, I think the only way he should stay up is if, if that's the exact place he needs to be. Like, I don't think they should rush him. I think it should be, do you legitimately think Reichel is NHL ready? And this is the best place for his development, not to help this team win because honestly it's a lost season. Um, and not, you know, to like keep fans engaged. They've done that in the past. I feel like with, um, I think Boquist, that happened with Boquist. I know they had some injuries, but they could have called up other guys first. Um, and instead they kind of, I think, stunted him a little bit. Um, so I just wanted to be in a good situation. I'm like, I'm like Shay, I just wanted to be in a good situation for him um, to progress developmentally. Develop, whatever. <laughs> oh, developmentally. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to come back to that. I want to come back to that point about um, – it being the right situation and all that for him, because I, I think there's more about that that I want to get into. But first I want to go to Mill and just get your initial thoughts to the news. Well, uh, if he pans out and his game translates to the NHL and the way he's played in other leagues, uh, he might be the first player worthy of wearing the number 27 since Jeremy Roenick, strictly talking about on ice performance. 
Uh, and the Hawks really could use us another star and a scorer. So this could be good for them. Uh, if he does pan out, he might be overshadowing Kirby doc by quite a bit, which will be weird and interesting at the same time to see how that pans out. But, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as everyone else, you know, right situation. And, uh, if they, you know, keep him there if he needs to be there. But, uh, also, with the way February is going to be, I'm wondering if he's not going to get nine games now, and then they'll evaluate and see if they should like keep him up. Yeah, I, I think like the thing that they said about uh, wanting to bring him up for a few games and they're going to send him back down. I think that is the plan at the moment, but it's always subject to change based off of how he looks because he played a few preseason games, and I don't remember noticing him at all in the preseason if i remember correctly am i am i wrong uh yeah i mean it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to tell but like blackhawks and european players have a pretty good track record so it might be different in the regular season yeah it wasn't yeah. like it, it, it was go ahead Betsy. i was gonna say it wasn't like panarin you know like panarin walked into preseason and in that first game people were like oh my god this is something special of course he was like 25. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it wasn't you like 25, 24, yeah. Michael's 25. Still he, was 19. he was 23, but turning 24 pretty quickly. Okay. He had a lot more ass on him though. Like he <laughs> yeah. no, seriously, like like Reichel's Whoa. not that big yet. Yeah, your body physically matures a lot between the ages of 19 and 23. So yeah, yeah. he still has plenty of room to grow. Uh but yeah, I, I think it was more not not like not that wasn't like to bash him, but he just if he had done something really remarkable in the preseason he probably would have broken camp with the team, but he didn't. So he went down to Rockford and then he had his moments. And I think they were probably getting ready to call him up a while ago. And then he went, uh, had a concussion and was in the protocol for that. And then right around the time he came out of that protocol, he went into COVID protocol and was out for that. And then the whole league got shut down uh, around the holidays. So uh, they were finally able to get him back and get him in a few games. And he was the AHL player of the week which is probably why you're seeing him up at the NHL level now on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. Like it's nice to have something different to look forward to. Like I'm trying to think of the last time there was a prospect who got called up in the middle of a season that was, you were like this legitimately interested in seeing. And I think Boquist. I was going to say Riley Stillman. I was going to go back to Tavo. <laughs> Shut up, Mill. <laughs> I was going to go back to when uh, Tavo Teravainen was called up for the first time. Like uh, I remember, like he came over the boards and got a standing ovation. So I was pissed because I went to the game right before that and they had his jersey in the store, and I'm like, he didn't get called up to play until the next game. Yeah. All right. I was I, so bummed. I don't want to talk about that too much more because it's just going to end. Yeah. So um, also the bad the bad man is gone though. <laughs> There's a chance that, that, that if Reichel is next table, he won't get traded because the bad man is gone. That's true. Has, have we checked his ID? Is this guy old enough to play in the pros? He looks – I'm looking <laughs> at his picture right now. No, he legitimately looks like he's like 13. Uh, yes, he is. I, I believe by all standards he uh, is eligible to play in the NHL. My he's man eligible. looks like a child. He's eligible to, eligible to drink when they go to Canada. <laughs> Doesn't Trevor Zegers look like he's twelve? There's like a there's like a young a young player this this season look, that like looks like he's twelve years old. Uh, Kale McCarr looks like he's about fourteen. So yes, he, he does. also looks. Kale McCarr also looks like ninety six Michael Jordan. So <laughs> yeah, or more like Allen Iverson probably. But yeah. you know what I mean. Um, but to to bring this back to Lucas Reichel, other than the fact that yes, he looks like he's still in middle school, but. I think the interesting thing will be seeing what uh, how how he's evaluated because 
Um, this is kind of what I wanted to follow up with on Betsy is trying to figure out like, the, like first off the motivation for bringing him up. Like I, I hope, as you were saying, I hope that it is, they want to see what he can do at the NHL level, not for like a PR thing. Um, but I, I guess, is there anything that you are going to see him do on the ice that would lead you to believe he needs to stay in Chicago? I guess, is there anything, cause you mentioned the games in Rockford you watch, is there anything that, you'll see him do in Chicago that would lead you to believe that he doesn't need to be sent back to Rockford. Well, they have him playing in center. Um, so being able to handle the, the difference between AHL centers and um, NHL centers, I think are wider than any other um, position other than maybe goalies. Um, so and maybe top pairing defensemen, like wingers can be, you know, but, they're the harder, it's like a harder position, I think, to transition from. So to see him match up and do well against them, like hold his own, I think that could, that's what you've got to, you've got to watch out for. Is he going to get out muscled? Um, he might, cause he's smaller, but can he outsmart that? Because that'll be key. Can he compensate for being a younger guy um, and not necessarily for us, the the Blackhawks fans, he's obviously one of the highest prospects, but remember he's, even though he's a first rounder, it wasn't a like high pick and he wasn't even a consensus pick at his spot. Um, People were thinking late twenties for him originally. So things that he does really well is be responsible with the puck. He's got creative hands but he doesn't always uh, like dangle out of trouble. He will can go from being really creative and high playmaking to just doing the smart, simple play. So watching him translate that to the NHL will be interesting, especially against NHL NHL quality centers. Um, faceoffs will be interesting too because I don't yeah. remember. If he- <laughs> so I want to swing this question around to Shay because this is something that comes up a lot when we're talking about like the big picture with the Hawks and it doesn't look very good in the future and all that stuff. But um, it's, it's related to the contract situation. Like obviously the, the, if, if Reichel plays more than nine games, it burns the first year of his entry level contract. And then you, you lose a, a year of a relatively cheap player. You know, I, I, I don't think I need to explain that much more than that. I think everyone understands what I'm saying. So, but I don't – I think the Hawks over the last five to six years or so have been so worried about the salary cap instead of feel – like it's almost to the point where it has affected their ability to put a good hockey team on the ice. So this is all to say like if if Lucas Reichel comes up and is so good that he there's no reason to send him back to the AHL and they do that anyway – just for the sake of keeping another year of his entry-level contract, I think that's an awful idea because I think they just get the guys who are good, get them into Chicago and put them in the lineup and worry about the rest later. And Shay, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, Like you look at how the successful teams in this league and uh, the number one is clearly Tampa Bay. They play their most talented players. They, They don't, they don't really care about contracts or anything like that. They are fortunate enough to live in a no-tax state, so they don't really have to worry about contracts. Uh, but they don't worry about contracts. They don't really do anything. They, they put the people who are ready to be in those positions in those positions. And they exploit and loopholes when they can find them because – Exactly. You know what? I, I don't – I've already – I was thinking about this today. Like the Seth Jones deal that's going to go for the next 65 years, I feel like at some point – Maybe he's just going to L- – the Hawks will LTIR him and that money. Oh, for sure. 
like we just dealt with this over the Seabrook stuff and, and all the other contracts the Hawks have had. Like, I, I just, it's, it's, as, as you were saying, like, just, just play the good, play the good guys. Yeah. As, as, uh, exactly. As somebody who, as a fan of a team uh, who's, who might may or may not be currently exploiting a, a loophole, exploit the loopholes when they're available and, yeah. and, and get the good, get the good players in the lineup and put them in positions to succeed. Like, the Blackhawks have a lot of problems with that, with that part, with the putting players in positions to succeed. Yeah. See, uh, see, see dot comma curry. Yeah. Well, I, that's, I think that was the conversation we had last week about him being a, a checking line center. Although I feel like uh, the last few games, they actually were putting him in a much, a little bit more of a fortuitous role than uh, they had been in the games before that. Um, no, what about you? I, I, I guess I was it, kind of the similar thought about the whole, uh, the big picture related to uh, entry level contract status for another year or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't work for the team, so for me, I could give a rat's ass about them saving money, but I understand the the situation. But to me, it's like, look at the state of the team. By the time his contract comes up, they're going to have money off the books. Who knows how good they're going to be or how bad. So I would say play him for the nine, and if he's like ready and that's not going to be detrimental to his development, then you know what? Keep him. If he's scoring or if you think he can only improve at this level, well, fine, but the thing for me is he, he might not be like, like it might not be worth it for him yet. He might be ready, but they, I don't know. He might need to get in the weight room. Who knows? You know what I mean? It's hard to tell. He might not be winning draws and have to get moved to the wing. It, 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 we're going to have to see how he plays. Yeah. I mean the, the only other, I was trying to think of other forwards that have stuck with the Hawks who were like around this age. It's like Taves, Kane and Debrinket. Yeah. Well, nice. can I, Tavo did too, I guess, but I just want to toss him in. Go ahead, Betsy, say that again. I uh, wasn't Tara Vine in here at 20. He might have been. I'm, but I'm, like, I know he was a baby, but. Doc was here at 18. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, and 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 that hasn't exactly gone very well, so. I, but again, I want to yeah, see him under, under NHL coaching. I want to see I want to see him under NHL coaching before we really make a judgment. No, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, Caravine came at twenty in two thousand and fourteen. There we go. Okay, so yeah, so it's just, I just, I think the the point that like is, what what I really hope happens is that Reichel plays so well that they can't send him down because he's too good. Because I just, I know there's a lot of positions that have like a a, a, a longer burn on them, like defensemen and goalies take a little longer to develop. But it feels like anytime the Hawks have had a Ford at of any like first, second, third round pick, if they spend more than a season in Rockford, they never make it. They never make it out. Like this is where you get into like the Jeremy Morins and the Brandon Peary's of the world. And I know those guys haven't been with, you know, those are kind of the names of the past, but I think it's the principle applies. Like there's been so many forwards that you thought were going to, that it felt like we're going to be a part of this team for the long term, And they just kind of got stuck in Rockford and never made it out. Now, part of that is because of the success the team was having earlier, but that success is not there anymore. So there should be a place in Chicago for a Ford who has a long-term NHL future. And I hope Lucas Reichold displays that immediately, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because so you're I, saying he's better than like all the college guys and, yeah, I you mean, know. You know, like, like there's like, 
like Landon Slagger seems like he might be a good player. Um, there's a few other guys that whose names are all going to escape me because we're talking about them now. But there, there's plenty of other guys in the system that might have an NHL future. Or like like Evan Barrett's another one. Like yeah, I thought, we hope Evan Barrett's good. Like I'm I'm like I'm already starting to get a little bit worried about Evan Barrett because he hasn't been to the NHL yet. Like I I think with the forwards because I brought up like you know size and not size but just muscle because he's young. That's the only reason I brought that up. But I think a lot of it's just game speed and either they're ready or they don't get there. And I I think he has the game speed from what I can tell. Yeah, I mean, like I think he'll be okay. Two of the goals that he scored on those and that hat trick he had back in November were like maneuvering in a phone booth. <laughs> you know, like like the 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 quickness with which he got the puck into a shooting position and let go of a shot was incredible. So I I'm ex- I feel like he is going I think he's going to be I think he's going to be pretty good. Like I'm I I the prediction business is stupid in sports, but uh I feel I feel good about this one for just from everything. Well, hey. Also, like, look at all these baseball teams that manipulate that contract stuff. Like, the Chris Bryant thing was a huge deal, and he won an MVP and a title, and then they didn't even keep him. Yeah, yeah. That, so so that, it's like, you don't know. Ex- exactly. Like, stop worrying about, the you know, the summer of 2025 when you don't have right, right now. Like, right. And I think Jose Abreu had something similar, too, didn't he? Yeah, but it was, he was rookie of the year and I, yeah, all that. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. But like they kept him, but they didn't have a hard time. Like he wanted to be there anyway. So it's like you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I don't. I don't want them to be so worried about, you know, the salary cap situation in 2025 that they, you know, sacrifice a guy's development right now just for the sake of cost certainty, because right. cost certainty is why you traded Artemi Panarin away. And right. like to further that point, Kane and Taze's contracts are up at the end. We'll, we'll be off the books. So yeah, even if you know that's what I was saying. No, like we'll cross that money. bridge about if they resign in the future. But even if you burn Eichel's or Eichel Reichel's contract Reichel. this season, you have him for two more. And the contract situation. I mean, the only guy under contract at that point will be uh, Seth Jones and Connor Jones <laughs> and Jake McCabe. Those are the only. Three oh my guys. God! Could you imagine? Pat Foley calling a Vegas Hawks game with Eichel and Reichel. I I hope we get one. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially because I'm tired of listening to Colby Cohen or whatever. Well, you know what? We're going to talk more about the Blackhawks. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick time out and come back on the other side of this break for some more uh, some more Blackhawks stuff. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, I wanted to dive into a few more Blackhawks things. And one of them is a thing that Mill kind of teased at the end there. Um, it's related to the broadcasts. And I wrote about this a week ago. And I don't want this to come across again as an indictment of any of the people who have occupied the broadcast booth this season. It's just, why the fuck do we have to have like 50 people auditioning for this job? <laughs> like, uh, and Mill, I think you said when we were talking during the break, like, I ha- when's the last time Pat Foley called a game? I, I'm trying to think of that, and I don't remember. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be his like you know last ride going away party. And it's like, like and they, they didn't invite him. In. <laughs> they didn't invite him to his building. yeah, or they left him at the bar. Yeah, which I mean, maybe he's still at the bar. That's fair. Yeah, I, I hope it's not because there's something wrong with Foley because he's not exactly a young man. But hopefully, it's, yeah. But I hope uh, not too. outside of that, like, I don't, I got, 
there's been a few of the people I I've liked, like I thought Steven Nelson was pretty good. And he also has ties to the Hawks organization because he was with the ice Hawks for a while. Um, and I yeah. think some of you guys also referenced the uh, Kay- I think a lot of people like Kaylee Chelios's one game as an analyst, but it's just, I, I just don't understand why it's gotta be like these two for two or three games. And then these two for two or three games. And it's all these different people just like, there can't be this many people auditioning for this role. Like when I, the, the, the thing I referenced when I wrote that article a week ago, uh, when the white Sox were going to say farewell to Hawk Harrelson, they let Hawk do all the home or I think Hawk did the home games and Jason Benetti did the road games or vice versa. I don't remember exactly how it worked out, but it was, it was half and half that, and just one guy kind of auditioning for the role and you kind of knew he was going to get it. I don't even know how you analyze the people. They've had so many different people. And like, I don't remember who the other guy was, but I remember Alan Furing was the play-by-play guy for the first two games of 2022 when they lost six to one and five to one. Like how the hell are you supposed to analyze what a broadcaster, how well they are at their job when they got the two of the worst games of the season? Yeah. And and the thing with Pat Foley is it's kind of like a player, like maybe a Brent Seabrook where he might get older and not move as well down the line, but he's better than having 40 different Rockford prospects in and out of the lineup. That's what it feels like to me. That's a, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. Um, it's like, if you know what you're getting with Pat Foley. He's not what he used to be, but he's still rock solid as far as he knows how to get through the game. Yeah. Um, Mill and I are taking up the uh, old men yelling at the cloud position. So Betsy or Shay, did you guys want to uh, chime in on this? I don't know if you guys, I know uh, if, if, you, if you, if you, if you listen to Elliot Friedman, it might be two jobs that people are, are auditioning for because Eddie might be moving to a uh, front office position. I swear to God, if it's oh, in, just don't let not it be here. Oh. <laughs> no, it would definitely be in Chicago, and it, it, it's probably Poho and not GM. Mm. Um, mm. I just, like we're all silent. Please, like, I if they spent all this time waiting to make decisions and then they hire the fucking broadcaster from inside the own organization. Like how poor is your imagination as a, it's, Oh, it's right. like you holding it, the whole car ride home and then pissing yourself at the driveway. <laughs> also just to throw something out there. I was at the last game at Hawk Harrelson called. Uh, yeah. For some reason. I, I will say bizarre. this about Hawk Harrelson. I would I would have been ready for Benetti to take over full time quicker. Yeah, no, that's well, fair. Benetti's good. I'm just glad Hawk Harrelson got out of the booth before he said something reprehensible on the air because there were a few times where he was very close. It he was inching. He was inching towards it. Yeah, he had a good run, I guess, for you guys. I didn't listen to him that much, but I I just remember being at that game and they like trundered him out, and I was like, what the hell. There's there's one game where he started he started talking about LeBron like I don't know why these guys don't do basketball. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember and that then, game. I was like, where are we they, going? Hawk? Then they popped out and ended the inning, and they never came back to that topic. And I was so happy about that. Because they're probably like, hey, like, you good gotta, job, you gotta cut it out. <laughs> yeah, hey, go talk about the game. Um, Benetti, Benetti referenced pro wrestling during the Bulls game the other night, and I was like, Hall of Fame, dude. <laughs> yeah, if Jason Benetti can come do the Blackhawks, that would be wonderful. But I think he's got enough jobs already. Well, he has to do the Reinsdorf teams. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. And then like random college football and basketball games all winter and fall. Um, so yeah, that's our other thing. Just like, just pick like, 
And now that we say that, there's probably going to be like five more for games coming up this week. There's going to be one game where the whole Chelios family is in the booth. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. I mean, they're just, it'd be weird. So, <laughs> as long as you, it's not Blackhawks, Red Wings. <laughs> oh, let's, let's, I know. Not, let's not go down this road anymore. This is now, see, once again, we're getting to a place where we don't want to go. So, so getting back to on ice matters, uh, one thing that kind of stood out about the game last night, also known as Tuesday night, against Columbus Blue Jackets. So, I felt like there needs to be a caveat here of obviously Seth Jones was out, Jake McCabe was out. Uh, Gustafson was also in the protocol. So like the Hawks were significantly shorthanded, but it was quite interesting to see in his first ever NHL game, Jakob Galvis gets 2340 of ice time. When you go down to the bottom of the list and Ian Mitchell is skating nine twelve. Uh, and Jacob Galvis, excuse me, it's, I, I believe it's Jakob Galvis because I heard that's the way they were pronouncing it on WGN radio. I didn't listen to the game because I was busy. I couldn't listen did they say Jakob Galvis on the broadcast? Do you guys know? It's Jakob in his uh, in a style guide. Oh god! Well, because that's how they said it on WGN Radio, so that's what I'm running with. But yeah. Anyway, Jakob Galvis was very good last night. Like he, the the numbers, the eye test was good. All the analytics are good, but I just it was kind of disheartening for me. Like just to, I just don't understand why he got this full runway when guys like. Kalanuk and Mitchell and Bowden who've had their moments. I feel like they've never gotten an audition like that. So since the three of us have been yelling so much, I want to throw it around to Betsy and get your thoughts on uh, Galvis last night. Uh, he was great. And it's weird though, because in Rockford, Ian Mitchell has been pretty much unquestionably their number one. Um, and at first he was playing like the defensive guy to Bodan's uh offense and then Bodan got moved down and Mitchell just suddenly was like fine I'll do offensive again and he was doing everything and he was doing really well and Galvis was playing second pair um and he was playing in a shut down defensive kind of way which is his style um and so he's been he's been great and I understand why they would love to give him the audition they did last time but I just don't understand the like weird standard like that coaches seem to have to we are the Blackhawks have like a million defense first guys that don't offense very well um and I'm going to throw both their names out even though they both scored recently Murphy and Calvin DeHaan don't typically drive offense even a little bit um Jake McCabe can but hasn't with the Blackhawks um Stillman has been better as of late but that's not really his call and so really you have Seth Jones maybe Caleb Jones but again not he's it's just not like at that level and then nothing and they have potential guys that could maybe contribute like Ian Mitchell like Kalyanuk and they just haven't been given the runway to even attempt that type of thing, but they'll give it to the, like, I love Galvis, but I would love to see other kids with a different um, aspect to their game, get a shot too. Can I ask you something, uh, Betsy on that mm -hmm. front? Yeah. So I'm looking at this roster and right do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they have, it, and this is maybe just weird to me. There's so many left-handed defensemen on the roster. There's like three right-handed ones, including Ian Mitchell. I know it's not exclusive side by side, it's per player, but like, why aren't they using him? Especially with 
Jones out and missing a righty. That's what I mean. It's the same thing with Kalinuk. Kalinuk plays on the right very well. Mm-hmm. Like he did it in college, and he's he's done it for the Blackhawks before. So yeah. it's just really odd. Is it like to, weird? Yes, it's one of those things that uh, I th- I think I point I might have pointed out in the game thread before that Ian Mitchell wasn't playing as much, despite the fact that they don't really have. They, they could use a right-handed D that could at least be on the bottom pair and be responsible. Um, I know that he had like a up and down season and ended on a low note last year, but he's done nothing but impress in Rockford. And back, going back to Dave's point where it's like almost as if, if you have to go back to Rockford after they've, <laughs> you've gotten your like a uh, cup of coffee with the team, it's almost like they forget about you. And um I don't I don't know if Ian Mitchell is actually an NHL player, but I don't think anybody else does either, including the organization. But it's well, like, the one consistent fixture within the organization over this entire season is uh now associate head coach Mark Crawford. And as they kept they they hammered this on the radio last night in the postgame show that that Mark Crawford handles the defense. So what I what it would the logical conclusion would seem to be here is that there's something about Ian Mitchell's game that Mark Crawford is not a very big fan of, and that's why he doesn't get the playing time that others do. But do you think it's like not just Ian Mitchell, but why haven't we seen Kalinuk at all, really? Um, and why are we seeing Caleb Jones so like? And I don't even mind Caleb Jones that much, but he doesn't. He hasn't done anything impressive outside of maybe a couple of games here or there. Like, I, feel like, I feel like Caleb Jones is like the defense equivalent of the things of the issues with the Forge where like, like he's, um, you know, he's like a, another like Jujar Kara type or uh, a yeah. Mike Hardman type. It's like, like he could, like he'd be fine, but why not like get like, he's a another left younger guy that might have a bigger. Yeah. And yeah. And he plays on the left. And I, I, I've liked Stillman more lately, but he hasn't had a great season no. um, either. And I, I just am like, why won't you rotate some of these kids around? Um, why do you, why does, why does the organization keep bringing in 23, 24 year olds from outside the organization, but won't give their own kids until they're 23 or 24 to develop? They never do that. They, they give up on them. If they haven't made it by 23, then, oh, heaven forbid, but they'll go out and they'll get the the, the you know, spare parts yeah. of other things. Well, now, granted, hopefully most of that was Bowman and the grass is always greener syndrome that he had, but I, I, I hope Crawford isn't like that too. I just, uh, I was looking this up, like Jacob Galvez, I think it was 2340 that he skated last night. Ian Mitchell's career high is 2001. So, and Jacob Galvez's first game, he skated more than Ian Mitchell has ever. Jakob Galvez, I keep saying Jacob and I, I apologize um, to everybody from the Galvis family that's listening to this. Yeah, part. and I just want to keep pointing out that I actually really like Galvis, and I think yeah. he could be like an underrated player that they've uncovered from somewhere. I just don't understand why they give, again, longer runway to certain players over others, and there's nothing that I can figure out in their game. Um, and I know that coaches aren't going to come out and just explain it to us, but – I don't know. It's just well, I, I want to throw something out there real quick. Galvis did get really sheltered and play 91.7% of his starts were ozone starts, uh, which makes sense. But I mean, he was still good. But um, also 
the reason I keep pushing this hand in this thing is they're playing such a conservative, like uh, defensive scheme that works better when you're not on your off wing. And it also lets guys succeed who maybe aren't as good or haven't been at that level. So it's like even more of a issue for Mitchell to be out there or should be out there. I was going to talk about like zone exits. Um, The defenders that play off wing that aren't, you know, they have a lot more trouble um, like Murphy was a perfect example when he was playing on the left. He was still doing yeah. everything well except for zone exits. And it was because he couldn't flip the puck out as well on his offside. Um, so it's just, it's like irksome to <clears throat> me that. Irksome, good word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that they're not focused on that. It's, it doesn't have to always be that way. Like, like I said, Kalyanuk plays really well on his offside. Um, Jalmerson is the classic example. He was actually preferred playing on his offside but Campbell I, could do it yeah but I I haven't seen anybody that's playing their offside right now do it so exceptionally well that they should play over a righty yeah and, especially like the way that they're playing defense right now it yeah. doesn't make any sense and it's not helping their offensive game either yeah right? that's exactly what you brought up with the zone exit that's what I was bitching about last couple months on the podcast about how they can't transition through the neutral zone nicely. <laughs> and Ian Mitchell can actually skate, which is not something a lot of other defensemen can do. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's, and that's the way the NHL is going is having defensemen who are able to skate. Hello, Kale McCarr again. I mean, not that Ian can skate as well as Kale McCarr, but just, it's, it's the principle of being able to skate. Well, is the kind of defenseman that seems to be working in the NHL these days. Ball don't lie, Dave. Yes. Exactly. Um, the the other thing re- just related to this uh, is m- perhaps and and we'll we will have more we'll need more of a sample for this. My my only other positive thought I could offer is that maybe uh, Galvis getting twenty three minutes last night is indicative of the Blackhawks recognizing the situation that they're in that they're not going to make the playoffs this year and they've got all these young guys so maybe we need to give more of these guys. Uh, 21, 22 minutes in the game and see what they can do. Um, if that's think, the case, why did they play Ian Mitchell nine minutes? Well, that's, that's the problem. I know. Yeah. It's not, again, it's, it's not a Maybe, maybe the next game will be in Mitchell's 23 minute game, or maybe it won't. I don't know. I'm not, that's, that's the only dose of optimism I could muster and it's not a very good one. So uh, yeah. And they also like a week ago played, uh, had Nicholas Bonan play a minute. Oh, I think yeah. it was one eleven was his ice time. So, <laughs> yeah, remember remember when we were all complaining about Jeremy Collins not being able to get young players into the lineup? Yeah, that hasn't changed much. Well, like, King, you know, I think that it's a it's a different situation now because they brought in so many damn new guys. Like they brought in Seth and Caleb Jones and Jake McCabe, so they they clogged their own pipeline. Which you know, with the thought that they were going to win more games, now they're in an opposite situation where you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So at some point you need to start seeing what you got out of it. Like um, again, like uh, going back to the, the principle of guys getting lost in Rockford, like, you know, Bodan Mitchell and uh, it's more Bodan and Mitchell. Like they were drafted several, several years ago at this point. And like, it's pretty soon where you got to start showing something or you're going to get the, the Chad Chris treatment. And like why Kalanuk, I believe was, 23 24 like he was already fairly older when he debuted with the hawks last season so yeah 
it's like at some point you either need to find out if these guys if these are guys you can count on or if you need to move them well well you know what i just want to throw this out there when when we go back to the beginning of the season off ice stuff excluded they went after Flurry and Tyler Johnson and Jones and, and McCabe, and it was like, oh, we're going to load up and compete. It's like, if that were the case, I could understand it, but they straight up like lost their season in the first month. Mm-hmm. So why aren't you playing these guys, especially with everybody injured or in COVID protocol or whatever? Yeah, they, 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 at some point you have to just acknowledge the situation that you are in. You do not lose – you do not start your season with nine losses in a row and then lose six more in the middle of it and then make the yeah. it just you do not have 15 games worth of losing streaks and get to the postseason. Just unless you have Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wish the Raiders and Chargers had tied. That would have been fun. Well, guess what? They didn't. <laughs> um, so uh Quickly looking ahead to the rest of the week, um, it's uh, there's, there's some there's some uh, quote winnable games on the schedule, and I think we said that about Arizona last week, and we all saw how that happened. But the Hawks play; they've got the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday night, and uh, Montreal's not good this season. Anaheim on Saturday, and Anaheim is actually surprisingly good. Like I forgot that they're not trash this season, like they've been for the last three or four. And then next Tuesday, Tuesday, next Monday, excuse me, they go to Seattle to face the Kraken. And that's uh, the next little window of game. So uh, is there anything other than obviously Lucas Reichel is a big thing to watch against Montreal on Thursday night. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you guys are keeping an eye on for the next uh, handful of games? Uh, I, I want special teams to be better. Yeah, uh, that, that would be a good goal one. Was inexcusable. That shorty was yeah. inexcusable. I know they won the game, but that was horrendous. What? All right, I the power play is off. No, I know, I know, well. but like the way I saw it, like it kind of looked like just a really bad decision by Alex to bring it to throw it back up the middle of the ice to no one in particular. I don't know if yeah, he was but, expecting someone to be there or if somebody was or what what the deal was, but. Yeah, but that's indicative of their whole like their the passing on the power play hasn't been great. That's what I was gonna say. It's just the whole it's just cherry on top. <laughs> they're also passing way too much. Yeah. Like take a take a shot every once in a while, guys. <laughs> they're gonna make me take a shot every once in a while. Um and any other okay. thoughts about the games for the next few weeks before we uh live up to our uh, self-proclaimed title of the best hockey themed food podcast or always I can't <laughs> I can never say that sentence I it's it's been a week uh, but and that's going to be my new year resolution is to figure out how to say that without stumbling over it so uh um I was gonna say the offense still would love to see something happen there because <laughs> just anything in general <laughs> Like, and something that's sustainable because obviously they scored four against Arizona, but it's Arizona. And then they won two games that they offensively, they scored, you know, two and two, um, that they probably didn't deserve to score those goals. And I mean, one of them was a ricochet. So, um, but like, I would love for something sustainable starts to start to build. Like that's my one wish for the end of the season by the end of the season is trend positively in an offensive way. 
Yeah. Then, I mean, this came up in the comments because somebody brought up Patrick Kane not scoring and they're like, think about where we would be if um, Patrick Kane was scoring at his regular rate. And I'm like, they wouldn't have won that many more games. They might not have like lost six in a row, but um, it wouldn't have been quite so it, it wasn't going to help that much. The same way I don't think Reichel's going to help that much. It's not a one player issue. It is a systematic. They are one of the worst offensive teams at driving offense in the league. Well, hopefully Reichel will get them going tomorrow because they're playing, or tonight, if you're listening to this in the morning, because they're playing Montreal, who totally blows. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and are, are getting killed by Boston as we're <laughs> recording this. And actually, well, the, the only good sign about that is that they're actually playing because they've had so many COVID issues. So the fact that Montreal is actually playing tonight lends itself to uh, – makes it a higher probability that they actually get Thursday's game in uh, with the way things have been going lately. So so there's that. There's a positive for it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's going to uh, put a bow on all the, the hockey portions of this year podcast. So uh, – Betsy, you had a a, uh, a suggestion for something to discuss because there's been far too much agreement happening uh, on these uh, food discussions lately. So uh, if you would like to lay out this thing that you presented to us earlier tonight. It's not exactly a food take, but more of a discussion of what is are some of the worst food sins either you've seen or maybe have even partaken in yourself. Um like something that's just like either really gross or just not like you shouldn't do that. And people like, I'm not talking about like well done steak as a food sin. Cause that is a food sin, but like, it is a sin. it's, it's too easy. <laughs> that's, that's low it's hanging. Too easy. Like for me, it's putting uh, like people who put things that aren't milk and cereal is always disgusting to me. It, whether it's oh, you mean water, the, you, mean, you mean the water people, water people, wait, wait, people who what? put like, creamer in it there are people who, who the fuck are these people yeah. let me know who that that know what someone told me they put orange juice in it once and i was yeah. like what this is I the know. worst thing okay, wait. oh my god are, are are we pardoning the vegans and vegetarians who put uh no like almond milk in there no, no, that's yes fine. No, almond still milk milk. Fine. they're fine yeah are they? Like a milk substitute yes. is fine <laughs> putting in things that are not milk substitutes into Orange cereal. juice in cereal. No, like, no way. In How, college. I didn't do it. I just, somebody told me they did it. I, I'm, fuck that. I'm talking in college. Um, the guys in the, there was a group of guys in a dorm across from me that swore that it, you got drunk faster if you put beer in your cereal. Like if you, so that you could eat <laughs> and like, it was the whole, they were like the whole, we're getting carbs. So, you know, you're still being safe. And I'm like, okay, those are Cheerios and Frosted Flakes. Okay. That's not really the types of carbs that absorb. And, and I'm sure it was, it was like Keystone or Natty Ice and Frosted. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I'm going to throw up the end. I, all right. I, I feel like college is a time for a lot of stupidity. So anything that happens in college, I don't want to excuse it, but it's almost like that that's that's a four year segment uh, section of your life that's usually full of bad decisions anyway. So f- throwing food on top of it probably is just par for the course. And now I'm trying to think of other food sins. I'm so disgusted by this uh, <laughs> non milk things and cereal though. Holy hell! Yeah, that's that's like uh, that's just savage. Honestly, that's like uncivilized. Yeah, yeah. Those people don't need it. <laughs> 
you need to be in jail. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. Now I'm, now I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, I, I don't know if this is really a food sin because if, if you don't like it, you're not going to carry it away. But for me, I hate when people drink warm beer. And I don't mean like not like like straight up like warm, like never one in the fridge. Oh, you can't go to the UK then. Well, I've heard that. All right. I, I talked to a, a, a Brit recently and he told me that is not as widespread as you would, as it is. Legend. Yeah. I say my friends. Having studied abroad in London. Beer. Say that again, Cher. Having studied abroad in London. It was something they did. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was everywhere. It was certainly not in Ireland. I'll say that. It was certainly not in Ireland. Uh, well, like, but it, it was in places in London. Okay. It's just weird to me. Like I, I remember like one time I was playing a show and one of my friends' bands brought like a case of beer and they threw me one. It was like straight up warm, like not even room temperature. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not drinking this. Like I'll go to the liquor store and buy a cold case. Why didn't you do that? This is two dollars cheaper. Not at the sacrifice of cold. <laughs> like what? What's wrong with you? I think. Oh, you know what? I've people who dip pizza in ranch. Yeah, we, that's, we that's a kind of a, it's a little bit of a low hanging fruit as well. But if you dip your pizza in ranch, what you got there is some shitty pizza. Well, also low hanging fruit, uh, ketchup on something like eggs. Why are you doing that? Ketchup. Oh, well, hot hey, hot hey. sauce is fine, but ketchup. Hey, hey, <laughs> it tastes good. It does not. That's why you do it. I was raised by a family who puts tomatoes on their eggs. Excuse you. People put ketchup I, like in my grandfather was a salsa was a salsa on his eggs person. I think oh, I I salsa, no. case, oh if you're doing like a if you're if you have like especially if you have like really bad eggs, ketchup makes it taste better. Like a dining hall, mm-hmm. like eggs, yeah, you need ketchup, ketchup on because it's gonna make it taste like something. Ketchup on mac and cheese is brutal too. I don't know why people oh, do that. Yeah. Not accusing that. I think just I think from my big foods and I think in general just be excessive condiment use across all condiment avenues yeah cook better you idiots yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't, ever come, don't ever come to the south because like everything's covered in mayonnaise oh <laughs> uh, yeah um oh people who if they have sushi left over in the next day because they put it in their refrigerator then heat it up slightly i have seen people do that in the office Oh. oh well, that yeah. If probably office, smell. That's a fireable offense. The only the only sushi that you can conceivably heat up are like bagel rolls that were already fried. But even then, just eat those. Like, don't save those for the next day. Yeah, like what? That's awful. I've never heard of that. Oh my god, I'm sick now. Yeah, we're gonna we're okay, just my, each other out. I think with this conversation, it's my all- food sin is very simple. It's don't put other beans besides uh, white beans, which is the traditional bean and baked beans. Don't put them in there. Don't put them in there. Yeah. So you just need white beans and baked beans, baked beans, baked be- white beans, and like a little bit of bacon. That's and that's what you need. Oh, that's my cat. I've got oh, the cat. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, tell him I said hi. He's like he agrees, Jay. Yeah. Look, see. He probably also starts out by the cereal conversation because he's like, "I like to drink milk after you've eaten cereal." <laughs> I don't. I don't like to drink the milk. Is that weird? I don't like no. milk though, like as a drink. So yeah, I think another it's not that weird. I think another food. Then I think people get a little reckless with chili sometimes. Like define reckless with chili. 
I, I'm trying to think of some specific examples, but I mean, I feel like there's, there's like a, a, a pre-approved list of things that are usually in chili, like meat, beans, and then like tomatoes, pepper, pepper, like, well, like the spices are more of like, like the food ingredients, but I don't know. No, no, no. I mean like peppers, you, you can put peppers in chili. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to do a lot of that since I make vegetarian chili often and sometimes I won't use a fake meat. So I'll put a lot of veggie, like tomatoes and peppers. Is that like a food yeah. sin? Like no, onions? Okay. No. Just, like, are you are you putting carrots in your chili? No, I uh, hope not. Um, I think I might have once, but not like. No, maybe not. I don't. I don't think okay. so. That that would be weird. It wouldn't go with the tomato like texture. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it Titan. It could, but it's not. not bolognese uses some tomatoes, right? Because bolognese, like you put carrots in bolognese. But I just mean like it's not like something that I would think of like oh yeah let me add carrots to this yeah uh, like that's I think that's where I think that's where sort of Dave is going with that right is like you can't put yeah yeah it's like, it's like people who like to add random ingredients that are not included in something and of course the class examples are things like potato salads and people putting I don't know raisins raisins in it. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah exactly like there's, you're just like stop that you're like I have an I have I have an uncle who has this like it's like three pages long is this chili that he makes he puts like half a case of Budweiser in there and I'm like <laughs> is this like tailgating for the bears <laughs> i don't know what it's for and i don't want to know i just it's, the only time i've seen that, that kind of shit is at soldier field <laughs> yeah exactly it's some it's some degenerate sports fan shit so uh yeah but it's the dudes, my, my the dudes in the... i think my primary foods and complaint is just people excessive condiment usage like as mill said cook better that's a good it's a really good way to put it yeah, if you have to smother it in ketchup and shit, it's like it's probably not that good to start with. If you would take more time to cook the food, you wouldn't have to waste all the time smothering it in condiments. I, I do want to say I'm not a condiment hater, but you have to use them subtly. There you go. There, there, there's yeah. We'll 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 end it on that. Now now it's a question. Now there's a question. You count cheese as a condiment? No. No. Uh, liquid cheese, Li- cheese sauce. I would. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so queso. Yeah, it's queso chipotle. That's well, it. well, queso, but like you know, there's like nacho cheese, which is not really queso. Yep. You don't need to like smother that all over your sandwich. If it comes on it, fine. But you know, yeah. All right. Or your tacos or whatever. All right. Well, I th- I think we've gotten somewhere, and uh, I I think our our uh, resolution for all four of us is we're gonna start thinking of more things where we can start yelling at each other in the food take portion of these podcasts because that was. Well, I mean, I yelled. Oh. Don't come at me with my with my. Uh, sometimes eggs require. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, you're you're acknowledged. Yeah. You don't you you can be hurt. We heard you. I'm not going to agree with you, but we heard you. Yeah, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> so that's would I prefer the- salsa? Yes. Okay. okay. Calm down. That's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks everyone for hanging out. Uh, Shepard's on Twitter at Shepard Price. Mills at Mill182. I'm at SCH underscore Dave M. Main account is at 2ND City Hockey. Betsy's not on Twitter. She's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. Keep an eye there. We're going to do all our Hawks previews, recaps, and hopefully we'll write about five goals that Lucas Reichel scores on Thursday night. Um, and that's going to do it. We'll talk to you next week.